Uh, Lord God, thank you for giving us the Bible, inspiring this book that contains your words to breathe life into our lives and breathe salvation into our lives and breathe actual uh, rubber-hits-the-road transformation in our lives. What a gift it is to have a book that contains your words, your guidance, your teachings, and your training uh, for us. We're so grateful. Forgive us for taking your word, the Bible, for granted and not seeing it as your direct and authoritative words from you to us. Lord, help us to see that your Bible is your love letter to the world, that you, Jesus, you yourself are described as the Word of God, that the Word of God is alive, is a person, and you came to communicate your great love and grace to the world. If anyone would trust in you, they would be saved and forgiven of all their sins. Lord, help me to speak your words, not mine today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, as you know, 2019 is almost upon us, just a couple of days away now. And what do a lot of people do in the new year? A lot of people in the new year, every year, we make these New Year's resolutions. We set some positive personal goals for ourselves. Uh, We want these resolutions and goals to result in some sort of positive change in your life. That's why we, at least, is this not a good idea? I think it's a good idea to do this quarterly. And, And so everybody and their dog this coming week, everybody and their dog is going to go on the keto diet. Everybody and their dog is going to be hitting the gym, okay? Everybody and their dog is going to be joining a running group for about a week or two, and everybody and their dog and their cat is going to be eating nothing but kale or even worse, kale chips. Anybody like the kale chips want to admit that? I didn't think so. And so, you know, it's, why do we do this? Why do we punish ourselves with these New Year's resolutions and new routines and this new exercise and new eating habits? Here's why. We generally want to take better care of ourselves. We want to set, you want to set yourself up to, to live long, as long as possible. Uh, you want to avoid that dirt nap you know, that early onset of the dirt nap, if you know what I'm talking about. You want to take better care of yourself, and you want to help yourself thrive. You want to help yourself do well and live happily. Who doesn't want that? These are good things. But what if I suggested uh, that there is actually something else, something even more impactful for your life? Impactful is a word, by the way. I googled it. It's real. Something even more impactful than these things, than, than eating right, something more impactful than hitting the gym and exercising consistently, What if I suggested that this one thing, uh, if you do this one thing most days in 2019, that your marriage will grow stronger if you're married, that your inner world will become more peaceful, will become more joyful, that your spiritual strength will become much more substantial, that your ability to deal with hardship and suffering and hard times will most likely exponentially increase if you just do this one thing. What if I told you about this one thing that will bring about, most likely, all kinds of this positive change that I just described? What do you think this one thing is? I'll tell you. It is Bible engagement. Bible engagement. In other words, imagining you sitting down with your Bible, opening it up, or opening up the Bible app on your phone, 
and simply asking God to help you understand what you're looking at, what you're reading, and then applying its truth to your life. It's that simple. That's Bible engagement. That is going to to change your life more in 2019 than anything else will. Here's a great quote from Robert Gallaty. He's a pastor, I think, in the Nashville area, and he shares uh, these words about Bible engagement. He says, after 10 years of research, LifeWay, which is a a Baptist publisher and research center, LifeWay states uh, two things about spiritual maturity, Christian maturity. Number one, Bible engagement is the number one spiritual discipline for growth. And then number two, Bible engagement affects every other discipline. Every other discipline. So if you don't get Bible engagement there, it's going to be hard to grow in any other way. People who engage the Bible tend to give more of their finances, go more in terms of missions and reaching unreached people groups around the globe, and then evangelize more just locally. So he's saying, you know, read the Bible this year. Make it a high priority. So nothing, I think, is going to affect your job more, your attitude at work more. Nothing will help your marriage more. Nothing will help your parenting more if you're a parent. Nothing will help you get control of your addictions more. Nothing will help, I believe, your, your, uh, your finances more and spending too much more. Nothing will help your, you deal with your negative emotions more than imagining you getting into a regular, uh, consistent, joyful habit of hearing God's voice speak to you directly by reading and hearing and applying what he says in the Bible. So question is, though, why don't we read our Bibles more than we do? Why is that? Why do we not read it more, or why do we struggle with reading the Bible more? What's the answer? I have no idea. I have no idea. If it, would, if it has this kind of impact in our lives, why don't we read it more? But chances are good that sin gets in the way, temptation gets in the way, the devil gets in the way, the influence of the world. I mean, is the world generally telling you to read your Bibles? Is that what the media is telling you? Are you seeing this on Netflix? Netflix telling you to read your Bible? You're not, you're not getting this message from anywhere probably than a local church family. But that's another sermon for another day as far as why we don't read our Bibles. I won't go there. I've got to keep the sermon short, remember. The sermon title for today is simply, How Should the Bible God's Word Be Read? And heard. How should the Bible, God's Word, be read and heard? And what I hope to do in this, hopefully a short message, is help motivate you to open up your Bibles on a regular basis in 2019. Uh, a lot of Christians don't know where to start, and they lack motivation. Sometimes I lack motivation as well. We feel like we lack power to sort of incorporate this most basic discipline uh, in our lives. So, here's our passage for today. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, verses 16 and 17. You can go there in your Bibles or read on the screen. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. You may be aware of these most very well-known verses. It says, all scripture, front to back, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable uh, for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every uh, good work. Isn't that good stuff? Uh, let's get right down to business here, and because, you know, like I said, we've got to get through this stuff uh, and make this reasonable for you kids. Uh, let me share number, point number one in your notes on the sermon outline that you have. It's simply read and hear the Bible, knowing it's God's authoritative voice. That's God speaking to you, whoever that is. God's authoritative voice telling you to shut your phone off, speaking directly to you. I'm teasing, I think. Let me ask you, who has that booming voice? When you think of booming voices... Who has that booming voice from your childhood, perhaps, that you recall and that you can't forget? For me, 
you would think it would be my dad, perhaps. You know, he, he could raise his voice when we were in trouble or disobeying or, you know, getting ourselves in danger. But it's actually primarily my mother's voice that comes to mind when I think of a booming voice uh, from my childhood. She's quite a force of nature, and many of you remember that. And when mom wanted to get my attention, because maybe I was being bad or putting myself in danger or others in danger, she would use her voice in such a way that I, there was no way that I could not not hear her, if that's correct. I mean, it was just that substantial. Her voice was authoritative, and, and she was speaking directly to me, and there was no doubt about it. You know, shape up, Kurt, you child. And I, the thing is, though, when I share that analogy, I don't want you to see God as that authoritative, angry parent uh, kind of thing here. But I want you to see, though, that when you open up your Bible or Bible app, that God is speaking directly to you. And the words that he is speaking directly to you are authoritative for your life. They are not suggestions. They are not opinions from God. They are not, oh, here's what you should do. You might want to consider this, Kurt, about living your life. No, no, no. These are authoritative. They are truth. These words from God in the Bible are are helpful. And uh, they are meant to be thought upon, dwelled upon, and then actually followed and obeyed because God knows what's best for you. Who made you? Who's your ultimate parent? It is your heavenly Father. He knows what works best for you. He's the one who designed you, you see. Back to our passage. Verse 16 says that all Scripture, front, to, front of the Bible to the very back of the Bible, is breathed out by God. And I want to run with this word picture. I think there's a picture on the screen. Here it is. Isn't that amazing? Wow, that's incredible. And the word picture is simply this. When you talk as I am talking right now... Um, I am saying words, and the way in which I am able to say words is because, amazingly, I'm able to force air through my throat and over the vocal cords to produce this sound that you are hearing. And this is how you communicate when you talk. There is air being breathed out over your vocal cords to make these sounds. And God does this with the words in the Bible. Not literally, but by His Holy Spirit in a spiritual sense. And amazingly, did you know that there's over 40 different authors of the Bible that God inspired, uh, written over 1,600 years, over three continents, I believe. And in effect, what happened was God, by his indwelling Holy Spirit in them, he would inspire them, breathe through them these words, and then they would write these words down. And so what I'm trying to say is, the Bible itself, as we have it here today, has a divine origin. Everything about this book has a divine origin origin and start. Quick story. I remember being in grade eight just a few years ago. I was in grade eight, and yes, I went to church, and I was part of a youth group in that church, and what we would do twice a year would be, would go to a youth conference in Western Canada, and at this conference, they would host what is called Bible Bowl. Have you ever heard of Bible Bowl? Some of you may have never have heard of this thing. And basically, it's built upon, it was sort of like a Bible quiz show kind of idea. And what they would do is give you one or two Bible books for you to study for about six months. And you would memorize these entire Bible books and try to understand them so that you'd be ready for this Bible quiz show sort of thing. And I remember reading First and Second Timothy. That was sort of the, the two books that they gave us to prepare for for six months later for the show, the quiz show. And I'll never forget, seriously, for the first time, reading First and Second Timothy as a, as a 13 or 14-year-old. 
And I was just amazed. Like these letters came off the page and they, they were not dead. These words out of the Bible were alive and they were directly speaking to me. They were hard hitting. There was something supernatural about these words that I was reading as a 13 year old. Now, why in the world would I experience that just by reading the Bible? It's because they, they were and still are words from God directly spoken to me. These were words from the one who constructed me and formed and shaped me. So no wonder they would be actually very helpful and directed directly to me. My point is simply this. When you rightly view this book, God's Word, the Bible, when you read it and you digest it and you engage with it, uh, when you see it as God speaking directly to me, and not just speaking directly to me, but he's speaking authoritatively like, this is him speaking to you, and his words hold weight in your life. Uh, you will listen to this book more intently with, you, with that focus. You will actually obey it more intensely as well, because you know, if I ingest this book, if I engage with this book, if I hear God's voice speaking to me in my life, I will know that he knows what's best for me. I will bring about maximum possible growth and flourishing in my life. I want you to see the Bible as God speaking directly and authoritatively to you. Changes how you look at the Bible. Number two point, as I try to make this somewhat short, is simply this. In your notes, read and hear the Bible knowing that it will profit and help and equip you for every good work. Read and hear the Bible knowing it will profit, help, equip you for every, every good work. Work. We get this from verse, or this point from the last half of verse 16 and verse 17. Uh, why does God breathe out words, breathe out these words in the Bible that He's given us? He has breathed out these words in the Bible in order to complete you. You need to be made more complete. I need to be made more complete. That's what the Bible does to make you more whole. Don't we want to be made more whole and more complete? God completes us, not Tom Cruise or whoever the other actress was. God completes us using the Bible to give you what you need to do good works for Jesus, to, give, to do more good deeds for Christ and for others, to do more good ministry and mission for Jesus. You know, it's amazing. If you think about how much education the typical Canadian receives over the course of your life, especially early on, okay? It's amazing. It's a lot of education. Some of you kids are here and you're just like, I can't take it anymore. I felt that way, uh, you know, heading into high school. I'm just like, oh, man, I'm, I'm ready to be done. Like, I want to retire from school here. Uh, but it's amazing how much education. There's a lot. And basically what happens here in B.C., generally speaking, uh, unless you're in Langley, you have seven years of elementary school. Then you have five years of high school. Then you have two or four or six or eight or ten or twelve years of post-education. And you might get a, a bachelor, you might get a master's, you might get, a, get a, a doctorate degree. Then in addition to all of that, those many years of education, you tend to receive ongoing training, professional training in your job. Now why do we have so much training going on in our lives? Years and years, it feels like it never, it's never going to end. Well, the world would say, you receive all that training and education to be equipped to work in a job and career that you find some joy in, uh, to basically help you make enough money for yourself and for your family. If you have a family, 
basically, all those years of education are by design there to equip you for your career. And that's good. But so much more is the Bible, by God's design, given to you for something much more important than equipping you for your career. He is all about using his word to equip you for ministry and for the mission of Jesus locally and globally. What an opportunity. Do we see the Bible as God giving us this great opportunity to be equipped by him when we regularly engage daily with his word and hearing his voice speak into our lives? This is an opportunity. For example, how do I manage these negative emotions that I deal with every day? How do I manage these sinful desires and tendencies and these flesh desires that do me no good whatsoever or others around me no good whatsoever? How do I manage my marriage because it's kind of nuts sometimes or my spouse might be nuts, not mine, but someone else's. I'm more nuts, believe me. How do I manage myself? It's great having my wife here. I crack jokes all day long at her expense. No, at my own expense. How do I manage myself in my job that I don't like? How do I, how do I help others hear about Jesus? How do I deal with suffering and hardship in my life? How do I keep on going when my, I feel like my life is kind of falling apart here? Well, all of these things are dealt with very clearly and very directly in the Bible. And thankfully, the Lord speaks to us through his word to guide you and to lead you and, and to clear the fog away and to train you and to equip you to manage your life well for the glory of God, to follow Jesus well for the glory of God, and to do ministry for Jesus for the glory of God. Ministry in your own family, ministry in your own church like Mercy Hill, ministry in your, your own workplace. We need to do more ministry in our workplaces. We need to do more ministry on our streets and showing the love of Christ to our neighbors. I want you to see God's Word, this very book, as God's manual for life. This is how God wants you to live. It can all be found within these two covers. And are we seeing it as God's manual for life to bring about maximum flourishing and spiritual growth in your life? I want you to see it that way. All right. We're moving on to point number two, sub-point A, okay, if you're following along in the notes. Uh, We're going to look at what verse 16 says about what God's Word does for you. Have you ever asked that question? What does the Bible do for me? Like, why should I invest all this time reading this thing? Well, the first way in which it helps you is that it simply teaches you. It teaches you. This is what God's Word does. So here's what this looks like and sounds like. You can bring your questions to God, and in the Bible you find some instruction, you find some clarity, you find some truthful answers about life's biggest questions. No, you won't find instructions on how to fix your car or fix the toaster or dishwasher, No, 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 those are small questions. It deals with life's biggest questions, such as, why am I here? Why do I exist? Why do I have a pulse? What is my purpose? Who is God? What is he like? Why did he make us? How did God make us? What is my life mission? What's the point of living? And we come to the Bible with these huge, massive questions, and we come with this humble, submissive, open-handed stance to God because here's what you've got to do. Before you read the Bible, you should pray. I believe this strongly. You've got to pray to the Lord before you start reading it. And you're praying stuff like, help me understand what this book is saying, what you're telling me here. Help me to apply these words. I, Lord God, Jesus, I submit my worldview to your authoritative worldview. 
Only you, Jesus, rightly define reality. You are truth itself. Help me to see your word as what's really true and really good in my life. That's what you got to do. Then, number two, point B, little b in your notes, is the second thing that the Bible does for you is that it reproofs you and it corrects you. It reproofs you and corrects you. Reproof meaning very much the same thing as correct. This is what the Bible does for you and it does for me. It points out, Kurt, you're thinking about this is wrong. Kurt, those actions in your life are wrong. They're actually sinful. Uh, it helps you, helps you course correct your marriage and your thinking, course correct your attitude, course correct your parenting, course correct your spending. I'm spending too much in this area. Most of my spending is actually for me. It's not actually for others or for the mission of Jesus. Helps you correct your, course correct your worldview and so on and so forth. There's a great quote along these lines that I, I don't know who said it. You know how you remember certain things and I have no idea who said it, but I remember the quote. Well, here it is. It's not so much that you read the Bible, but that the Bible reads you. It's not so much that you read the Bible, but that the Bible reads you. That's what we're talking about with this reproof thing, this correction thing, okay? As you read the Bible, here's what this sounds like. As it's reading you, you're praying as you read, Lord, point out anything in me as I read your word that you desire to bring about change in me. Show me my sinful motives. Show me my self-centered dreams. Show me my, my self-glorifying ways. Show me my, my selfish ambitions. Show me my greed and my lust and my sinful anger and, and any self-righteousness and any pride in me. Expose these things. Shine a flashlight on these areas of my life that you want to bring about change in me. Because I, I won't see these things. I need your light to show those things, uh, point those things out that you desire change in for me. One other thing here. One other thing. And this may or may not be related to this point. I don't think it actually is, but anyhow, here it is. I don't know how many times I've, I've heard people say, you know, I've been a pastor for a, a couple of years, and people will come up to me and they will say, Kurt, I just wish God would speak directly to me. Send me an angel with your message, God. Send me an angel and then I would know exactly, precisely what I should do in this situation. Now, I would be lying if I said I have never wanted that as well. I mean, who wouldn't? A daily angel telling you exactly what to do that day. Can you imagine? But in effect, we actually have that already. And so my advice to people who want God to speak directly to them via an angel is simply this. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. The Bible is God's, not his only way, but it's his primary way of getting through to you. The Bible is God's primary way of speaking with you, communicating his desires for you. I'm just asking you, are you reading your Bible? And I don't say that in a guilt-infused kind of way. I'm just asking you, are you reading your Bible? That's how you primarily open up your life to God's instruction and his helpful ways in your life. That's how you primarily hear from God. You want to hear from God? Read your Bible every day. It's that simple. Last thing in your notes, as I bring this in for a landing, little c is simply this. It trains you to live rightly. That's what the Bible does. It trains you to live rightly. The end of verse 16 talks about how Scripture is to be used by God for you to be trained in righteousness. Did you see that there? If you have it in front of you. To be trained in righteousness. That's why the Bible is around. What's righteousness mean? It's simply a big 
word that means right living, right relationships with God, right relationships with those in and around us, and living the right way, living rightly. And just like you can't build anything from Ikea without what? Without instructions. Any Ikea fans here? Anybody despise Ikea? That's what I thought. You can't build anything from Ikea, okay, without the instructions. And you can't work on your car without what? A Haynes manual. You have to have a Haynes manual or the internet. It's amazing what's on the internet now to give you instruction for how to fix your car, YouTube especially. You just can't do it without some other instruction. And so it is. You can't. You can't live the right kind of life according to God's right design for you. You can't live a flourishing, God-glorifying, spiritually growing life without regularly engaging, feeding on God's word for your soul. You can't. It's like oxygen. Can you live without oxygen? You can't. Are you viewing rightly that your soul can't survive It can't thrive, it can't grow unless you're feeding it with God's words. If this is absent in your life, no wonder you don't want to come to church. If this is absent in your life, no wonder you don't want to join a community group. If this is absent in your life, no wonder your marriage is on the rocks. It helps in every way is what I'm saying. It helps you live rightly according to God's good design. If you're desiring maximum joy in your life, live rightly according to What the Bible says, it's that simple. See this book as an opportunity for your life. You can do this. You can do this. I am suggesting to you as I try to bring this to a close, and I really should, is that even more than establishing new exercise routines in 2019, even more than establishing a a new keto diet or eating more kale or swearing less, whatever it is, even more than those things, Make this your number one resolution and stick to it. If you need accountability, somebody here will help you with that. If you need instruction, you don't know where to start, I will help you with that. Can you imagine yourself making this your your most important resolution for 2019, hearing the voice of God regularly next year? I think we can do that. I think we should. I think we should. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, uh, we don't get into your good books simply by reading our Bibles. In fact, you, your acceptance is not based upon our good spiritual performance. And I pray that our motivation for reading more Bible next year would not be to try to score brownie points with you, but rather to connect with you, to grow in a relationship with you, to desire to reflect more of your character in our lives for your glory alone, not our own. And Lord, we understand that anything, any good thing we have in our life is only because of your sheer grace. You sent Jesus to earth 2,000 years ago on that first Christmas day to live our perfect life for us in our place because we could not. You sent Jesus 2,000 years ago to then die on the cross for our sins as the perfect sacrifice in our place. And then you allowed your son to rise from the dead to gain victory over Satan's sin and death, and that victory is ours. Lord, I pray that if anyone is here who is not yet a Christian, that they would open themselves up to you and see you as a good, loving Father who sacrificed everything to bring them into your family. Lord, we remember this gospel as we partake of the Lord's Supper at this time. Through Christ we pray. Amen.